0: If you have your Bible, please open with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It's uh, wonderful to be here this morning um, in the house of God uh, with each of you. Um, It's extra special for me to come to a church and preach where the pastor was uh, one of my ordaining pastors. I do look up to Pastor Mike sincerely. Um, He was one of the several pastors that ordained me in the ministry, and I appreciate that and will never, ever forget that. God used him as that person, and I do have a high view of um, uh, a formal ordination into the, the ministry, and that means a lot to me. I um, appreciate this church. It's, uh, I enjoy coming to a different church every now and then and just seeing what God doing is somewhere else and just sort of observing and learning. And the observation that I um, got from, get from here and got a couple of times that I've been here and also got this morning very uh, friendly and very hospitable, so I appreciate that for your uh, very warm welcome. Um, I did appreciate the singing, beautiful singing, and I appreciated the way Glenn read the Word of God. He read it like he believed it, and he even done a few karate chops. I thought only Libs do that, talk with their hands. Um, my good wife gave me a warning this morning. Uh, she's my best friend, and she tells me what I need to know, not what I want to know, and tells me, make sure you keep your voice down. Don't raise your voice when you preach, um, uh, they may misunderstand that your church is used to you. Um, so that was good advice. I'm going to be using my whisper voice this morning. I'm going to try my best. Um, and she said, watch out for your expressions. No karate chops when you're preaching. I should have recorded um, Glenn and told her, it's not just me that does it. <laughs> anyway, I say that um, uh, in a complimentary way, and I did appreciate how he read the Word of God. Another thing that I um, was encouraged when I walked in here, I had no idea... Um, that you guys renovated this place. Last time I was here, it was the pulpit was there, right? Yeah, so I had no idea, and I appreciate um, a nice building where the Church of God congregates in. Sometimes uh, we rightly say that the building is not the church, it's the people. That's true, but um, it's a good thing to beautify the building and to um, make it nice, because it's a good testimony about the actual Church of God, the people of God who love God and want to take care of the building where the people of God gather in. Similar to a, a family, the house, the bricks and mortar that I live in is not what makes the home. It's the husband, wife, children. But I still want to give my best to make that building comfortable for my family. I want to still give my best, whatever I can, whatever that looks like, for that building to be comfortable. And it's a, it's a good testimony. It tells people out in the world that um, we love our God and and you know we, we take care of the building that we gather together in. So that was a an encouragement for me and I, I noticed it. I noticed um, these things because uh, we're, uh, last Sunday we launched our building program which includes a short term plan, mid term, long term plan, eventually build a nice new building but in the me- meantime to renovate. Um, and I had no idea you were going to do this and I noticed that uh, you had three things there when you were giving or, or receiving the offering. A general fund, a missions fund and a building fund. And it's like us. We've got those Three uh, things as well, but I had no idea. I, I, don't, I still don't know what you mean by the building fund. Whether that means a bigger building than this? I'm not finished yet. Not finished yet. Okay, cool. To the bathroom. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, I uh, uh, yeah, I just say that because last week we launched our building uh, project and preached the sermon I'm about to preach here this morning, having no idea that you would you know, had renovated this. I just thought I'll preach it in a general way make general principles, but God knows anyway. So um, I'll preach the word of God this morning, and I trust the word of God um, will touch each of our hearts. And um, I must say that the Lord is uh, working on me. I felt like, uh, do I really want to preach two sermons two weeks in a row? I sincerely felt that I need to hear this again. Um, It's one of these things that God continues to work on in our lives, and uh, I felt sincerely that I needed to hear this again, and I trust that. You'll get blessed as well as um, I'm hoping to be blessed myself. Okay, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I'll read the uh, first uh, 17 verses and then um, uh, pray and then share the word of God. Okay, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1. That's another thing that I noticed. Last time I was here, I had to look constantly to the side to see the um, PowerPoint. You've got a wonderful TV here. Thank God for that. 1 Chronicles twenty-nine, one. The word of God there says, Furthermore... King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, Iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones, and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my special treasure of gold and silver, 3000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and 7000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses the golds of the thing uh, sorry the golds of the things of gold and the silver for the things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of the craftsmen notice with me this question that he then asks Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Then the leaders of the fathers' houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the officers over the king's work, offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 daricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and one hundred thousand talents of iron, and whoever had precious stones, gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord, into the hand of Jehil the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel. Our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you. As were all our fathers, our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. This time, just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father God, we are so thankful for who you are and for the work of your hands. So thankful, Lord God, for your, all your attributes and all your virtues. We're so thankful for your generosity towards us, Lord God all your good gifts that you give to us. We acknowledge, Lord God, that all that we are and all that we have come from you. We're thankful for the gift of life. We're thankful that you're not only the creator, but you're also the sustainer, and that even the air that we breathe is from you. We're thankful, Father God, for this country that you have blessed us with, for all the temporal blessings that you have blessed us with. We're thankful, Father God, for the homes that we live in and for the church buildings and the resources that you bless us with. Thankful, Father God, most of all for your spiritual blessings, for your gift of eternal life through your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died in our place. He who is rich became poor so that we may be spiritually and internally rich with salvation. Thankful, Father God, for this church, for the pastors, for the deacons, for every single saint here. Thankful for their love for you, Father God, and thankful that you first loved them. I just pray, Father God, that you would bless the proclamation of your word, that you would speak to my heart, Father God, and help me in this area. And just pray that you help each and every one of us and that we see the beauty and the joy of, and the privilege it is for us to give our best to you for us to worship you with the things that you yourself bless us with thank you Lord God that you taught me this truth that was so foreign to me something that I I need to continue to die daily to because it's not in my nature but just pray that you help me live out this reality daily In that, nothing I have is mine, but all is yours. You've given me a certain time on this earth to manage these temporal things that you've put before us. Help us to see the joy in this life of giving. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, um, we see preparations being made for the temple of God uh, to be built. <clears throat> it was a very extravagant building that was going to be very, very expensive. Those of you that have been to Jerusalem and visited the uh, Temple Mount where the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque currently sits on, um, just that piece of real estate alone would be very hard to put a price on today. It would be got to be the most expensive piece of real estate in the world without exaggeration. And not only that piece of land, but the, um, as we saw in the reading of the Word of God, all the gold and the marble and the stones, it was a very extravagant and very expensive uh, building to build. And this morning I want us to look at and apply it to us in our um, church context. I want to look at how the people of God came up with the funds and resources to build such an expensive building. Obviously, Certain things change when we go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The obvious one is the ceremonial laws. Um, But many, uh, the moral law, of course, um, stands. It's not that we're saved by the moral law, but the moral law being thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. is the same in the Old Testament, same in the New Testament. We weren't saved by it in the Old, weren't saved by by it in the New. But um, that moral stand, uh, the moral law stands. And also many of the virtues, like the virtues of generosity, An affection to the work of God stands and we can apply these truths um, to us today. So I just want to see how they come up with the funds and resources to build such an expensive building. The first thing I want to look at, and this is where God really spoke to me as I prepared um, this message, um, and that is it started with the leaders giving their best to God. started with the leaders being an example to the congregation. In one Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verse three, the chapter just before twenty-nine, um, we see there that David had a strong desire to actually build the temple of God, but God said to him, "No, David, I'm not going to give you that privilege." And the reason God gave him was that you have shed too much blood in warfare. Therefore, your son Solomon will build me an earthly house, earthly building. Now, the thing I find interesting is this. Instead of David having a meltdown, by this point in his life he was spiritually uh, mature, instead of having a meltdown, and even though David would never see the house of God, he knew he will die before he sees it built, um, he accepted this answer from God, and he still gave his best in preparation for the house of God to be built, knowing that he'd never benefit from it, knowing that he'd never have the blessed privilege to see it erected. But he was still willing to give his best to God. Look with me in verse 1. It says that furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, he breaks the news to them that I'm not building it, but Solomon is. My son Solomon, whom, uh, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. And verse 2, notice with me here. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might. That's a reflection of loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With all of your might. This is a reflection of what he loves most in his heart. Make no mistake, beloved brothers and sisters. You are very extravagant with that which you love most. This is why you see a young man... He hasn't even bought a house yet. And he's preparing to get married. He's preparing to propose to his um, girlfriend or the girl that he's caught in. And he goes and buys like a $25,000 engagement ring. And he hasn't even bought a house. That's kind of mad. But people that are in love do mad, extravagant things. And therefore, it's a beautiful thing. David loved God. He loved the things of God. Then he prepared it with all his might, and he gave his best, gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance." David gave his best before he died so that the house of God would be built even though he would never personally benefit from it in a sense he would never use it. The reason why David did this, because let's be honest, that's contrary to our human nature. If I'm not going to benefit from something according to my, my old human nature, um, why would I invest in it? But the reason why David still did this was because David realized he was Um, at a point in his life, later on in his life, where um, he was spiritually mature. And this is not, oh, wow, let's look at David. This is, wow, let's look at the grace of God. Because when I see David's life, I see not a good man. I see someone like me. See, some of the things that David did, I'm thinking, whoa, you're not a good man, David. Just like I'm not a good man and none of us are good by nature. It's by the grace of God that he was a man after God's own heart. That he was a man that God took him to that point where he was able to love God with all his might, and set his affection on the things of God. The reason why David did this, he realized, it was at the point of his life, he realized that the house of God was not about David. It was about God. David realized that it's not David's house. He realized it was God's house. Look with me again in 29.1, verse 1, David says, The temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Recently, as we went through our building program, um, it's a double-story kind of building. And um, when they built it 50 years ago, um, they didn't think of a ramp or a lift for elderly or anything like that. I don't know why, but... They just didn't, and all these old buildings um, seem to have done things like that back then. Um, We have a few faithful elderly people in our church. I think of one particular lady. She's 88 years old and been at the church uh, for many, many years and sacrificed her whole life um, uh, to God. And uh, because she loves God, she loves the church of God. Make no mistake, those that love God love the church love the people and, and love the things of God, the work of God. Um, she's 88 years old and she comes to every single service and she struggles to walk. She's on one of those, um, uh, like uh, almost a wheelchair where she leans on the, you know what they call it, like the, the little trolley thing and she um, struggles to to walk into the church, 88 years old, but she comes Sunday morning, she comes Tuesday night, she comes Friday night, She continues to sacrifice. She continues to worship God with her offerings and just loves it. She's just such a joyful, sweet lady. Sacrificed her whole life for God. And I was just, like, on top of our priority list was to make the building more accessible for her. She has to walk up the stairs and she struggles. She holds the rail. She's very independent. I'm very protective. I always want to carry up the stairs and she doesn't let me sort of go next to her. Um. And then, anyway, she she struggles to walk up the stairs, and I thought, we really need to get a lift or a ramp in here. Long story short, just wasn't possible. We tried every single angle. The way it was built wasn't possible. We're not going to give up. We're we're still trying. But um, we had to break the news in one of the members' meetings that we've done everything we could and couldn't get a ramp up here. Um, And then people sharing different things and um, wanting different things that, that they think is most important and and so forth. Anyway, that week, a couple of days later, she sends myself and uh, my uh, two fellow deacons um, uh, an email. It was just the most encouraging email. And then she got to a a paragraph and she said these words, and I quote her, As for the lift, I have been walking up those stairs for the last ten years. And I'll continue to do so with joy until the Lord takes me home, unquote. And I was just amazed because if anyone had the right, humanly speaking, to demand a lift or to demand a ramp, it would be her, sacrificed so much, but yet she wasn't thinking of her. How could someone like that do that? Because she realized it's not about her. She's preparing now to this day. She um, has made it clear to us that once she wants done, when she passes away. She's preparing now for when she's gone without giving too much detail. She doesn't want me to disclose too much, but I've got permission to say this much. But she's preparing when she passes away what she wants in the house of God. Things that she's not going to benefit from. But like David, she understands it's not about her, but it's about the house of God. Notice with me the extravagance of David, how he gave his best, how it started with the leaders. Look at me, verse 3 Moreover, because I have set my affection, he had his affection on God, on the work of God, because I have set my affection. On the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God above, over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophi, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for the things of gold and the silver for the things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of the craftsmen. Beloved brothers and sisters, the lesson that I learn is that I need to, and I'm saying I, God's speaking to me, really is. I need to learn this lesson. And the lesson is, I need to give my best to God. And we, beloved brothers and sisters, need to give our best to God. And if I can humbly say, we ought not to give our leftovers to God. Like the things of our overflow to God. So many times at our church, or the church that I serve in, I arrive sort of early in the morning and I see a bag of clothes sort of being dumped at the front doorstep of the church. People decide, oh, I'll just buy a new jacket, so I'll just dump my old clothes at the church. And I know there's a place for that, and there's um, businesses for that, like, you know, charities like Saint Vincent St Vincent de Paul and do do a great job doing that. I do that as well. I, I you know, when my, um, I no longer need a certain bit of clothing or it's too small or too big or whatever, I give it to Saint Vincent St Vincent de Paul. But they just just for the point of the illustration, they put it to the door. Sometimes this is a common one. Um, people want to buy a new lounge uh, at their house and they uh, ring me up and say, oh, "I've got my old lounge. You know, can I drop it off at the church?" Um, not too long ago, we had to um, pay for three skip bins to get rid of things of people saying, I don't need this anymore, I'll just drop it off at the church. hope I don't sound um, not appreciative. Sometimes it's even a good thing like to, you know, and the church can use some things like a sort of old kettle or whatever. So I'm not saying never to do it, so I don't want to put a full skill trip. Um, but the point is, or the lesson that I learn is... To give our best to God, what do I have to give the old one to God. God's not a charity, He doesn't need me. He owns everything. I learn, I'm trying to talk to myself here, to either give my best to him or nothing. It's the lesson that I've come to learn. Notice with me in verse 5. Notice with me how after David first gave his best to God, then he challenges others to give his best. What a good leader. He practiced what he preached. He led by example and then he exhorted the people to do the same. Notice with me his question after he practiced what he preached. He said, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Notice with me their response in verse 6, and this is why I say it starts with the leaders. Then the leaders of the fathers, in verse 6, houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the officers of the king's work, offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God, Five thousand talents and ten thousand derricks of gold, ten thousand talents of silver, eighteen thousand talents of bronze, and one hundred thousand talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones, gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord, into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Started with David, the king, and then it flowed to the other leaders, the leaders of the congregation of God gave their best to the temple of God. And if I apply it to us, apply it to myself, apply it to my church that I serve in, and I even named the leaders by name. I had the liberty to do that in my own church. If I I fucking apply that, it starts with the leaders of the church. It would be wicked for me to instruct others to give extravagantly. And to give their best if I'm not doing that myself. Starts with the church leaders, the pastors, the deacons. It includes those and especially those who preach and minister to children. Because those children are the next generation. They are learning from you. Sunday school teacher and children's ministry worker. 90% 90% from your actions and 10% from your teachings. I've just thrown that figure out. Those of you that are teachers or in ministry and probably know the, the better statistic. But it's maybe a hyperbole. But I'm just trying to make the point that actions speak louder than words. They're learning from our example. I have five children. I see them. I can give them devotions day in and day out. But whether I'm trying or not, they're mimicking my actions, good and bad. It includes also those who are leading the singing. Those who are leading worship. This is sacred. What a sacred ministry you have. You're leading the congregation of God, singing sacred words. You're leading worship, the worship of the almighty God. All of us that serve, even ushers and those that greet people in the house of God, doorkeepers of the house of God, what an honourable role that is. Beloved brothers and sisters, the worship of God starts with our example. Us as parents know this. But I can humbly say that if you and I are serving in a church but not practising what we preach, we become Pharisaical. So what the Pharisees did, if you look with me there, I think the verse is on the screen in uh, Matthew 23, 4, thanks to Glenn, he put them up at the last second. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and laid them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. If we can look, secondly, the things that I learned from this passage, some of the virtues that carry over to the people of God is giving, is joyful. We see this even repeated in the New Testament. Look at me in verse 9. It says, Then the people rejoiced. Here you know, the child of God finds the act of giving to God a joyful thing. It's unbelievers that find it a miserable thing. Like the rich young ruler, he couldn't bear the thought of it. He was so sad to hear it. And keep in mind, he thought he was a spiritual hotshot. He went through all these commandments he thought he was a child of God and, and Jesus sort of put the finger on his heart and he, he found it to be a very very sad and miserable thing but the child of God no doubt we still struggle with the flesh I do but because of the spirit of God because of the grace of God that, that causes us to grow and find it more and more joyful and the people of God rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. This was something they were excited to do, joyful to do. Because with a loyal heart, that offered willingly to the Lord God. And King David also rejoiced greatly. That's abnormal, like abnormal to our human nature. An unbeliever can't understand this. You're actually happy to give to the work of God? You know what my response to that is? Is you happy to pay 300 bucks for a concert? And I, I get them to ask me about their, um, the concert that they go to, something I'm not interested in. So I wouldn't pay five bucks for that. It has no interest for me. Actually, if you paid me to go to some of these concerts you go to, I wouldn't even go. Even if you paid me $100, I wouldn't go. But they pay it, no problem. And they're happy. They're not complaining. They're, they're partying at the, the concert. These people were happy. God's happy when we do it. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver. I read about a couple of weeks ago, and it happened a few months ago. It was um, an interview on, on a TV program. I actually initially read it. Read it about a couple of weeks ago about a, um, a Congolese man who uh, come as a refugee from the Republic of Congo to this country. And he had come with his mum, who was a single mum, and she came with her three children with nothing um, as uh, some of us may have experienced um, They came as refugees with nothing and it was uh, like a mother's Day segment on the the news program that it was on and they interviewed this guy, and the whole story was um how amazing it was, like you know the story was him giving the best mother's day gift, and that is this young man that coming as a young child, as a refugee with nothing, um, the story was that he bought his mum a house for Mother's Day. Like, no excuses about, oh, the interest rate's too high, or none of this negative talk that we'll never buy a house. Or Obviously, it wasn't at Bondi. It was sort of country somewhere, as I assumed, just sort of from observation. Um, but he said these words. He said, soon as I left school at 17 years of age... I worked two jobs 17 hours a day and I did not stop until I bought my mum a house. If I can just quote him, he said this, as soon as I left school, I made it my goal to buy my mum a house before I started chasing my own goals, unquote. I'm not sure if this guy's a Christian or not or has a Christian sort of ethical upbringing or whatever it is. Didn't say on the, on the program. But the point is this, when I was interviewing him and even on this photo, he had a smile from ear to ear. He hadn't bought himself anything. He bought his mum a house. And it wasn't, oh, this is so burdensome and this is so, like, I can't believe I did this. It's going to set me back and I'm going to have to work another five years before I start buying my own one. the guy was overjoyed and so was his mum. It was something that was so joyful for him to do. And may I say that the joy of building God a house or a building in the New Testament context where the people of God gather together in. Thank God for his temporal blessings. Thank God for this air condition. Um, we don't have air condition currently, In our church, and it gets really cold in winter. I think you preached one hot day there, right? It's like a sauna there, right? So thank God for these, um, uh, the temporal blessings that He blesses us with. The joy of building God a house is even greater than this because God does not need anything from us, but yet gives us the privilege to worship Him in such a way you know why this young man was so filled with joy because he's seen his mom filled with joy and his mom's filled with joy because she's actually in need she needed a house the reason why i say it's greater to have the privilege of building god a house he actually doesn't need it yet still gets joy he loves the chief forgiver still gets joy when we give him an offering I can say this with my head bowed if giving to God as an act of worship is not something that brings you a similar joy that the refugee experienced when buying his mama house then there is a problem with your love for God the issue is a love issue it's an issue of the desire of the heart Jesus said Some very sharp words. Like the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived. And it's very cutting, but very comforting. Look at these words. What profound sentence. Like, how true is it? He says, for where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. Everyone loves to give to that which they love most. Finally, third point, I just want us to look at how giving is a privilege. Privilege because it's something that gives us opportunity to give God cheerfulness and happiness who doesn't even need us. Notice with you why it's a privilege to give to God. Look at me, verse 10. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel. So he's praying and responding to the generosity that he was able to exercise and the people were able to exercise. And he bursts out with thankfulness in prayer. Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory. The victory and the majesty. It wasn't like the Pharisees, like, you know, proud of themselves for, you know, praying and fasting and, and giving of their abundance. No, no, the child of God understands something. But I didn't understand till after I got saved. The power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Notice with me the lesson that I never understood as, a, as an unbeliever. And even when I became a believer, it sort of took time to sink in. And even now, I have to die daily to practice it because I've got my old flesh that, that like keeps pulling me the other way, like the selfish way. Notice what it says. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great. To give strength to all. You know what that's saying? That's saying that all that I am and all that I have is from God. That's saying that all that you are And all that you have is from God. He's not just the creator, but he's the creator and sustainer of all things. The very air that I breathe is from him. The beautiful mind. I am so blessed and encouraged to see how much God blesses his people. Not only with eternal spiritual blessings, but with temporal blessings How smart God makes the people of God. How smart he makes his children. The beautiful brain he's given to each of you. Even that that desire to achieve. That desire to strive. And to do good at school. To do good at university. To do good in the vocation that, that God has called you to. This is all from God. It is God that gives you that willingness... An ability to do of his good pleasure as he instructs us in Philippians chapter 1. Look with me, verse 13. Now therefore, our God, because, he's saying, because all comes from you, we thank you. And he's just given him, David has just offered him the best of the best of what he had in his hands. And he's saying thank you to God for this. We thank you and praise your glorious name. Notice what he says in verse 14. If we don't learn this lesson, we'll start giving ourselves a pat on the back. But notice what he says. But who am I? If I could just use a bit of slang here. He's saying, like, I'm a nobody, like he's just reflecting, I was just a shepherd boy not that long ago. Like time flies. All of a sudden, God raises him up to become a king. Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? Like, where did this willingness come from? He knew what he was like. In and of himself, of his own nature. For all things come from you. What a lesson he learned. What a lesson for the child of God to learn. All things come from you. And notice with me here, and of your own we have given you. Saying all things, 100% of my work, my money, my house, my car. This is all from you. And what it offered you has come from you. And he says, verse fifteen. He always remembers where he came from. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you. That's where all our fathers remembers where he came from. Our days on earth, he remembers the reality of his current situation. Our days on earth are as a shadow, and without hope. In other words, without hope, without you, and nothing without you. We're hopeless and hopeless without you. Of course, with God, with His grace, blessed us so abundantly to live out the godly life victoriously. Blessed us with so much spiritual and temporal blessings to use for His honor and for His glory. Verse 16 goes on So, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand. And he's all your own. <clears throat> giving to God is giving what he's already given to us and therefore we have nothing to be proud of and nothing to boast about. Our response is that of joy and humility. In closing, I just want to um, put the question out there and answer it briefly. Why would God give us 100% of the material blessings that he blesses us with and then receive it with joy when we give it back to him. The answer to that is that he's a relational God who first loves us and then when we respond in love towards him, this is pleasing to him. I can illustrate it this way. Remember being a young child... And um, the school told us that you, know, you, you need to get $10 from your um, parents. And then uh, with that $10, there's going to be a little store set up that you come to that store and then you, you buy your mum a gift for Mother's Day. So I went and asked my mom for 10 bucks. She gave me 10 bucks, And mind you, she's paying for the school fees, paying for the um, clothing and the excursions and the pencil case and the bag. And she's paying for everything to make it possible for me to go to school. Then I Go and ask her for 10 bucks to go buy her something from this store that was set up. So I go into this store, she gives me the $10, go into this store, and oh, I'm so excited to buy my mum a gift. My mum, like my mom, even to this day, when I go to her house and I can't stop her, I've tried. She still peels oranges for me to eat. She's left mum, like you know, they do these things. It's embarrassing when I invite, like, my Aussie friends home. It's like, are you a baby, man? Peel your own oranges. <laughs> I told my mate once, I've tried. She doesn't listen to me. I was excited to, to buy her a gift, so I bought her a gift from the store, and I ran home, and I gave it to her. And when I gave her this gift, and she I didn't, didn't, uh, didn't sort of... Uh, didn't realise it at the time, but now looking back at hindsight... Looking back at hindsight, when she opened the gift, she was so happy, so joyful. It gave me the biggest hug. Looking back, I stop and think, hang on a minute, you're the one that paid for it. But it still gave her great joy. So there's a relational aspect to it. And I liken this our relationship with God, all is from Him. And when we Worship him with the offering through a heart that loves him. This is pleasing to him. Dearly beloved, if I could humbly say, whoever thinks he should be spared, excused or exempt from giving, is asking to be exempt from loving God. Of course, we don't give the same amounts. And even Jesus made that very clear that it wasn't some money-hungry God. He owns everything. Why would he need to be money-hungry? was so pleased when the poor widow gave the equivalent of like a few dollars. He was so pleased out of all the people that were giving and he just sort of singled this lady and taught his disciples a lesson and said, she's given. He made her the example of giving. They just gave a few dollars. Why? Because she gave her best. The lesson is just giving her best to that which we love most. The mount irrelevant if this is our best to me this looks good this looks like your best i was blessed to walk in here i haven't been to the toilets yet i might change my mind when i go there but i <laughs> actually need to go there after the sermon um but this is your best holy what makes him happy is our best not the amount of money money's just paper for him means nothing earns everything just want to close with this question that David asked the people of God and I just want to ask it openly here beloved brothers and sisters in 1 Chronicles 29 5 notice with me the question who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord to consecrate means to to totally dedicate totally devote yourself to the Lord like holding nothing back like the rich young ruler boasted of knowing God and But he wasn't consecrated, like he was holding back some things. It doesn't say who he is willing to give in you. It started with the heart, started with self-consecration. But then he's willing to consecrate himself to the Lord. This time let's bow heads and pray to the Lord. And I'll just give you a few moments as all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. For you to respond between you and the Lord. to what you've heard this morning. We're all at different places in our journey with God. Therefore, I'll leave it with you to respond between you and the Lord. Heavenly Father God, thank you so much for who you are, for the work of your hands, for each precious soul here, for each of your children here, Lord God, at this church, for each of the saints here, Lord God, thank you for each one. The beautiful way that you have created them, the beautiful person that you've made each one of them to be, you're so creative, making us each different in our personalities, in our gifts, in our abilities. Thankful for each precious one. Thank you. You've blessed us so much for your temporal blessings, for the beautiful mind that you've given each one, for the desires that you've given each one, the, the will to achieve the, the principle of hard work. We're thankful for your, the ends and the means also, That the means of hard work, us working hard to provide for our loved ones, for the honourable things that you've instructed us to provide for. Help me in this area, Lord God. Thankful for your spirit that lives inside of me, that convicts me and that gives me these desires. Give me a heart to love because I've been loved by you. But I acknowledge the flesh that's still there, Lord God, and that selfishness and that um, self-sufficiency that's there, Lord God. Help me to always remember day by day all that I am and all that I have is from you. Thankful for your blessings upon your people, Lord God. I pray that you continue to bless them. Bless the desires of their heart, desire that you have placed in their heart, Lord God, that desire for missions that is clearly evident even just when you walk into the building and you look at the walls. The desire, Lord God, to give their best in making this building a good tool for when they gather together as a church to worship you. you for the desire that you've given them for the workers and the general work of God pray that you fulfill the desire of their heart that you would bless them Father God and continue to bless them and that they would see that they've already been blessed and that they're being blessed continually and that you give me and us that that joy that desire to want to worship you with our offerings with our very lives, with our gifts, with our resources, with all that you've put in our hands. Pray these things through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.